today we're starting a new series called Dancing with the Star. Now, I've never, um, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars, which is, a, a, I guess, a reality show. Um, but I've come in a couple of times when uh, the ladies at my house are all watching it. And I just am blown away at how good these guys are and how quickly they get to where they can dance with one another without tripping over each other. And if you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars, the TV show, you see how uh, they progress and how they start where they're stepping on each other's toes. They can't get the dance moves right until where by the end of it, like they're unbelievable. Like they know where each other's going before they even make the move. And that's kind of the premise of this series. Uh, and we're calling it Dancing with the Star. In fact, I was, it was in November last year that I was just in prayer with the Lord and uh, where he gave me this message and said, I want you to teach my people because what we're doing is I'm going to be teaching you how to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're dancing with the star, with, with the Holy Spirit, uh, staying in step with him. And so our key verse to this, if you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, it'll also be on the screens. Our key verse and kind of the whole concept of this whole series comes out of this Galatians 5.25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you read it out loud with me? Here we go. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, I pray over the next couple minutes that you would help me articulate your word. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have sent to us your Holy Spirit to live and abide in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come in a way that we've never experienced you. Come be the person that you are in our lives. And may you reveal yourself to us. And may you help us to um, um, clean up the misrepresentation that has been about you over the years. And Lord, I thank you right now that every man and woman in this room is going to leave here tonight. And by the end of this series, not just knowing you, but moving step in step with you. And it'll be so clean and so wonderful in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So this passage in Galatians chapter 5, if we could jump up a few verses before our verse 25, Galatians 5 and 16, look what this says. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Verse 17, for, it, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict. Would you say that with me? They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So here's the thing that I'm always trying to help Christians understand. And that is, most of the time I find people say, I'll ask them, how you doing? Oh man, pastor, I'm just trying to do better. You know, it's not going so good or I'm not being good enough or da da I just want to be better, da 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 And I always have to correct them on that because that is a wrong statement or a wrong ideology. Friend, you cannot be better. You're a sinner saved by grace. What needs to happen is a shift in your mindset that this is not about you being good or being bad. This is about you and I understanding that, that I, we have a sin nature that's constantly pulling us back into the old sinful way of life. That's constantly lusting after more sinfulness. And that the way to overcome that is not to try to be good, but instead to get in step with the Holy Spirit. And as we get in step with Him, as we move with Him, He will move us not only away from that, empower us to overcome that, but also strengthen us to live every day for Jesus Christ. And this is the breakdown. This is where people don't get it. And that's why it says that, that the sinful nature and the spirit man, that the Holy Spirit, they're in conflict with each other. There's this conflict happening. And that when you and I then go forth, and in fact, if you'll keep reading past verses 16 and 17, it starts laying out the sinful nature. It says, the acts of the sinful nature obvious. Sexual immorality. It lists all kinds of things like, you know, uh, uh, hatred, discontent, 
resentment, uh, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, drunkenness. And he says, listen, I'll tell you like I did before, those who live like that won't inherit the kingdom of God. And what he's, what he's teaching us in the Holy Scriptures is that it's not so much about how good or bad we can be or how we stop doing that. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm so good now. I'm not doing that anymore. No, no, that's not the goal. The goal is to learn how to step with the Holy Spirit, to stay in step. And that's the reason why I connected it with dancing. Because when I watch these guys dance, I recognize how intimate that is. How difficult that is to stay in step with a dance partner and you allow them to lead you and that your feet do not intertwine or take over and your hands in the right position and your body following in, 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 this, seek, uh, in this wonderful sequence of turns and spins and moves and the difficulty that that can cause if you don't know how to interact. And so today, as we start into this series about dancing with the star, the first piece that my goal with today's message, my, my number one big goal with today's message is to help you and me to overcome the discomfort. There's a discomfort in being close with the Holy Spirit. There's a discomfort even in dancing and getting close to someone. And so I made a little video to kind of illustrate this. So watch this. This is overcoming the discomfort. Welcome to the studio. My name is Robert. Hey, I'm Adam. Good to know you. Pleasure. Robert and Jamie. Jamie. I'm going to be teaching you guys to dance today. Most people don't dance because it's a little awkward in the beginning. Don't really know where our hands go. Don't know where our feet go, especially for the men. So my job today is to make sure that you guys can feel awesome, amazing, close, and moving together. Yeah, so I'm a little nervous about that whole physical contact thing. So you're going to have to coach that out of us. That's okay. Most people are. Not just most men, but most people are. Getting in each other's face, being yeah. able to spend that time of looking at your loved one and being just really very intimate. Jamie, we're going to be starting with you. Okay, so I just found out this whole dancing thing that you actually have to touch each other. I'm not cool with that. And especially with the fact that I'm going to have to dance with the coach. And uh, I'm not cool with that either because that means we're going to have to touch and stuff. And me and dudes touching, I'm just not really good about that, okay? so But I got a plan. I mean, you know, I'm okay if... I can, you know, be as comfortable as I can. I hate to be uncomfortable with that whole touchy stuff. But dancing, that's what we're doing. Hey, Adam, your turn. Are you a little uncomfortable? Why do you say that? Well, you're, you're bundled up in here, kind of protecting everything, and it's pretty warm in here. Well, yeah, I just don't like to really touch people. That's okay. For you to learn to dance, for you to learn to feel smooth, we're going to have to take all that off, though. Really? Absolutely. Okay, so now I'm going to have you take your arms here. You're going to put this hand on my hand, this hand on my back. <laughs> just like that. We're okay. just going to kind of sway very easily. Okay. Relax the knees. I'm really struggling. That's okay. Most people do, and that's okay. <laughs> You're going to get through this. Why are you so awkward? I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable with everyone watching me. I understand, but the main thing I want you to focus on is really your dancing, not what everybody else is thinking. What I do for my church, I tell you right now. Good Lord, am I coming? You can do better now. You ought to clap for that right there. You could feel how uncomfortable I was. <laughs> I want to connect that to how 
us staying in step with the Holy Spirit can be really uncomfortable, um, even to the place where it's awkward. And, um, and, and I want to help today to help you understand why that's the case. See, most of us are, if, we're discom- if we have discomfort towards the Holy Spirit or we're uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit, it's probably because of one of two reasons. Number one, because we don't know him that well. And so I don't know if you've ever been the, the person who walks into a room and you don't know anybody there and just how uncomfortable that is because I don't know anybody or if you've ever been on a blind date and how, you know, awkward that is as you're trying to get to know each other. And I think some of you have that um, experience with the Holy Spirit or the second reason that some of us are awkward or uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit is because he's been so misrepresented. And I believe the Holy Spirit out of any of the characters of the Holy Scriptures or any, uh, you know, entities in the Holy Scripture, he's the most misrepresented in the 21st century, in my opinion. And I believe that we've done him more damage. And as a result, people are not in step with the Holy Spirit. They're not in daily communication. And as a result of not being in step with him, sin and wickedness and the things of our flesh keep drawing us back into the things of the enemy. And so, and so we're frustrated. And so my goal with today's message is to kind of help you get past that discomfort, help you get past that awkwardness, and bring, um, and bring the Holy Spirit into your, into your intimate space and begin to, again, stay in step. So to do that, today I thought it would, be in, uh, it would be helpful if I could help you know who He is so that we can clean up all the misrepresentation. And for those of you that don't really know Him, uh, I want to help kind of clean that up today and kind of give you what the Scripture says. So if that's okay, we'll start with today, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is He? And so we'll start, number one, the first thing that I would pull out of Scripture that we see clearly is that He is the third person in the Godhead. He is the third person in the Godhead. We use the word Trinity. The word Trinity is never in Scripture. It's just the word that we use to explain God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are one, but yet they're three separate entities, if you will, three separate persons and personalities. And we illustrate this out of Matthew, or we find this in Matthew chapter 3 and 16. You know John 3.16 as a favorite passage, but how about Matthew 3.16 and verse 17? It says it like this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove it wasn't in a dove form but like a dove it's that's the only way they could articulate the form which the Holy Spirit came and lighted on him and verse 17 and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased so we see all these the three characters of the Trinity or the three parts of the Godhead all in one uh, in one scene right here in the scriptures it's Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist John the Baptist says I can't baptize you Jesus says you have to he says okay you're the you're the master you're the Messiah and as he comes up out of the water the heavens rip open if you will and a voice out of heaven says this is my son so how do you know God the Father's there because he said this is my son and who I'm well pleased and then all of a sudden the spirit of the lord it says the spirit of the lord the holy spirit comes and lands on him or lightens upon him as the scripture says it and it looks like that of a dove in the form of a dove so we see all three here in this place and the holy spirit the reason why i want to articulate that the holy spirit is a person because some of you have been, had him misrepresented to you the holy spirit is not some ethereal being He's not some wind or some shock wave or some sci-fi movie uh, uh, force that kind of goes through walls and things like that. He is a person. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. He has attributes. He has characteristics. He has feelings. You say, what? He has feelings? Yeah, look, look at this passage of Scripture right here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And it says it like this. And do not grieve 
the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve him. Do not, literally, that, that's an emotional response to be grieved over the fact that you were so disobedient that you so did not, did not allow him to work in your life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So we see him as a person. You say, well, okay, I get that. Why is that important? The reason that's important, because if he's some ethereal being out there, some wind wave existence kind of piece, then there's no person, person to him. Then you don't have to be responsible, if you will, for the relationship. But when you understand him as the person that he is, then there's a responsibility in that relationship. The wind isn't mad that you say, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to build up a barrier against this wind. I don't want it to blow on me. The wind is not, a, the, 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 uh, you know, the wind's not affected by the fact that you say, I don't even, I don't even believe that you're not there. On the other hand, a person who's standing there in front of you, your own ch- children, your parents, you know, a loved one or something like that, when you reject them and say, I don't recognize you, I don't want you in my life, there's an, an offense that can happen there. There's a, there's a difficulty. Why? Because there's relationship, because there's a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Do you believe that? Say yes. And as a result of that, that gives us this understanding that he wants a relationship with us and that you and I need to walk in relationship with him. In fact, I would encourage you to understand the truth and that is when you became a Christian, Jesus did not come and live in your heart. I don't care what they told you in Sunday school. Jesus did not come live in your heart. Jesus came in the form of a man. He was beaten. He was crucified. He died, he resurrected, and according to Scripture, he is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He can't be at the right hand of the Father. He came in the form of of a single being. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession. Who then lives inside of us? The Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Now, all throughout Scripture, you'll see him referred to as with different names. Uh, name uh, I use the word a lot. I, I'll use the name uh, to represent him, the Holy Spirit. It uses his name like that in Scripture. They'll call him the Spirit of the Lord. You hear the Bethel guys do that all the time. The Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. You see, you know, the, the Spirit of Truth. The Scripture calls him the Spirit of Truth. The Comforter. The Spirit of the Scriptures are calling him the Comforter. They'll call him different names like that. You say, why do they do that? Why does the Scripture do that? Well, it'd be like this. If, if trying to explain me, your pastor, to a friend. Uh, uh, pastor Adam McCain, you'd use the word pastor. He's a pastor. Uh, he's also a father. Father Adam McCain. He's also a husband. Husband Adam McCain. What, what you would be doing is kind of alluding to my attributes and my characteristics by in, in explaining who I am by way of using these titles and things. And that's what the scriptures does frequently with the Holy Spirit. And so it's not that there's many spirits. It's just that we use different names or the scripture uses different names and in ex- expressing who he is and his characteristics. So that leads me to my second point. Are you still there? Say yes. He is our, number two, our counselor. This is who he is. In John 14, 16, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, listen to me, I'm not going to send you, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send to you the counselor or the comforter he even uses in another passage explaining the same scene. So there's this moment, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. They have left everything and they've been following somewhere at the two and a half year mark right here. And Jesus looks at them. I picture they're around the campfire. They're roasting marshmallows or whatever. And Jesus in a real intimate moment says, guys, I need to tell you something. They're like, oh snap, he found out. Judas has been stealing the money. No, it's not about that. Guys, I need to tell you something. They're going to kill me, and I'm leaving. Now, you've got to understand, for Jewish people, up until this point, that would have been the most gross thing he could ever say. 
Because their understanding of the Messiah through the prophecies over hundreds of years is that the Messiah would come and that he would set up his kingdom on earth and that he would remove the kingdom of darkness and that he would reign and rule. And so they were not thinking and did not have a spiritual understanding in reference to these passages and these prophecies. They were thinking that the Messiah would come and in this season where the Romans had control, that he, that he would overthrow the Roman government, set up his own government. They were thinking, hey, we're going to get to be his vice president. We're going to get to be, you know, his, you know, you've watched all that's happened in the, you know, in, in, from the White House as they pick the different ones that are going to be in charge of different things. So they all thought they were going to have a part in this type of kingdom business. And Jesus says, no, they're going to kill me. And they're thinking, how can you say that? You're the Messiah. That's not true. That cannot happen. And Jesus says, yes, I must. For if I do not leave, I cannot send to you the counselor, the comforter. So you've got to understand Jesus, again, came in a bodily form. He could only be one place at one time while he was on earth. While Jesus was there in Galilee, he was not, he was, he was not uh, in Africa. He was not in Asia. He was there in Galilee. And he's saying, listen, if I don't go, I can't send to you the counselor, the comforter. Friend, can I explain something to you? This person of the Holy Spirit, he's your counselor. He's the one who's going to help you in times of difficulty. He's the one you call upon. He's the one who is pointing everything back to Jesus. He is the one who is the power, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwelling in you. And that's what's it talking about? The Holy Spirit. The same power is at work in us. In other words, the Holy Spirit, when we became Christians, came to live and abide in us. And what has happened is no one's taught us how to stay in step with him. And because we don't know how to stay in step with him, we keep going back to the old sinful ways. We go back to our insecurities we go back to our carnal thinking we go back to our fights and factions and all these things why not because you're not good enough it's because you're not in step and if you've ever tried to dance and not be in step with someone it is a miserable experience and you quit within a matter of minutes don't you you're like forget this you can't dance or you can't i can't dance with you whatever the problem may be and that's what's happened a lot in christendom for this day and it's i believe it's a lot to do with the fact that he's been misrepresented and we just don't know him we just don't know who he is and because we don't know who he is and we think that some kind of thing out there and and the spirit's going to come and it's going to touch people to do things weird and stuff like that and that's the problem right there so we need to learn who he really is according to scripture so that we can have that right relationship number three he is our guide so number two he's our counselor Number one was he is a real person, if you will. He's the third person of the Godhead. Number three, he is our guide. In John 16, 13, Jesus said like this, he will lead us into all truth, or he will lead you in the right way to go. And uh, nothing cooler than that. The Holy Spirit is constantly leading me. I told the earlier service, uh, as an illustration of this point, uh, Josiah. Some of you know Josiah. He's our, he's our, uh, our, our staff evangelist, and he, he takes our small groups out doing outreaches and things like that. And, and uh, if you haven't met Josiah, you know, he's just a little bit shorter than me. And uh, he talks like this, Pastor Adam, uh, Pastor Adam, uh, what we need to do is uh, Pastor Adam. And, um, and so he's one of my... Uh, He's one of my best spiritual sons, and, and so uh, he called me and left me a message because I was away from my phone. I think it was Friday, Friday sometime, and, he, and he's like, Pastor Adam, call me, uh, call me. And so I was like, oh, my God, he's dying. So I called him back. I was like, are you okay? I thought he's, you know, wrecked his car in a ditch or something. He goes, oh, man, I got the flu, and I won't be in service Sunday, and 
I was like, oh, are you serious? I said, what happened? He goes, well, man, I tried to have faith. I've been fighting it all week. And, uh, and Pastor Adam, it, it just, it got me, man. I'm sorry. I just didn't have enough faith for it. I thought God was going to heal. And I was like, tell the truth, bro. You just ain't got no money to go to the doctor. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. You know, money. He said, but I, I called mama. And I was like, mom, I'm dying over here. And his mom, you know, the, their family's from Wisconsin. She said, what you, what you need to do is you just need to get some hot tea. And he's like, mom, that's not going to fail. I'm dying. There's nothing wrong with me. So he went to care now, and, uh, and he sat there. Now, earlier service, I said he sat there for three hours because that's what he told me. But he was watching the live stream from his bed and texted me later and said, it was only two hours. Why are you exaggerating? I'm like, two hours, three hours. Who cares? Say it right the first time. Anyway, so if you're watching, nah, I got you back. And... Um, <clears throat> And so, you know, he's sitting in Karen out and, 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 and for a couple hours, and, uh, and he's miserable. And I was like, Karen out, and they let you sit there for two hours? And he goes, yeah, they just let me sit there. I was coughing on everybody. People were all get dying and stuff because I'm so sick. And I was like, are you serious? And like, that's why you go to care now. Care now, because I need the care now, right? And they just left him there. He finally got back there in the doctor, and the doctor was like, oh, yeah, you got the flu. And he starts to prescribe him some medication. And Josiah's like, oh, no, I don't have any money for the medication. And uh, he goes, uh, well, doctor, my, my mom said I just need some hot tea. And the doctor said, yeah, that's probably just as good, because really, uh, with the flu virus, it's already working its way out of your system at this point. And so, and so, yeah, the worst is probably almost over anyway. So he said, yeah, just go get you some hot tea. So he says, he goes to Tarjay's. He leaves the care now. He goes to Tarjay, and he says he's punch stupid because he's so sick. Have you ever been that sick with the flu? And he comes walking in Tarjay's, and he's just walking around, and he's trying to find tea, and he sees this woman at, at one of the end caps, you know, one of the aisles, and she's got the little table there, and uh, kind of like at Costco, when, you know, uh, where they're feeding you stuff, you know, a little, you get to sample everything. Come on. Some of you, that's been some of your best lunches last week was you went to Costco. You just went from table to table. Can I have some more of that? You just, you, you change your hat this way, come back around, eat some, come back this way, and come back this way. Yeah. And so he said, he's sitting at, he walks to this lady at the table, and he goes, hey, and she goes, are you okay? He goes, I got the flu, and my mom said that I need some tea. And the doctor said, that's good too, but I don't, I don't know where to find the tea. And she goes, son, look down. He looks down. He's at a tea table. She is sampling teas. And she goes, oh, baby, you at the right table. Because let me tell you something. I'm a spirit-filled woman of God who's going to pray for you right now, baby boy. And you need some tea. God's going to use this to make it all feel better. And your mama was right from one mama about another mama. She did exactly right. Baby, hold on just right here a second. And she goes over the Starbucks. She gets a Starbucks cup, fills it with hot water, brings it back. And she starts like an Alexa, Alexa begins to mix all the teas. You're going to need some of this and some of this green stuff in here too. And she starts mixing it all up and hands it to him. And he's like, uh, do I pay for it? She goes, no, baby, I'm able to use all the samples. And let me pray for you. Come on, in Jesus' name, just heal him up. Frank, can I tell you something? There is no way in a million years that he could figure out how to track down the one woman who could care a fly and flip about this boy with the flu, who's going to treat him like a mama, who's at the table with tea samples. When have you seen tea samples at Target's? And then going to go over to Starbucks and get him hot water and mix it all up for him so that he could go home and know that mama loves him. Come on, somebody. That's how the Holy Spirit spirit guides us and leads us and so he is our God here's the fourth thing about him that we find in John chapter 14 and verse 26 he is our tutor he is our tutor Jesus said it like this he will teach you all truth he will teach you excuse me all things 
He will teach you all things. Can I, can I explain something to you? When you don't understand scripture, when you don't understand something, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you. That's his job. Jesus said that he will reveal all truth to you. He will teach us. He will teach us God's ways. He will reveal to us what we don't see. He will teach it to us. Our pastor back from where I'm from in Louisiana, uh, Pastor Larry Stocksteel, he tells a story that um, we had the situation where our worship pastor had been, he got himself in some type of trouble and he had to be removed from his position. I think it was found out, some, some impropriety on Friday. And by Saturday, they had removed him. And Saturday afternoon, our pastor's sitting there going, oh, snap, who's going to lead worship for our 5,000-member church tomorrow for the two services? And um, it was in that moment. Now, he had played, our pastor had played guitar, and he had led worship a little bit. But um, our worship was all centered around keyboard. Now, again, uh, this was the 80s, so it was all centered around the piano. And, uh, and he, said, he sat down. He had a piano at his house. He had never played piano. And he sat down at the piano, and he said, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me how to play, play piano so we can have worship tomorrow because um, I'm the only one that even knows the song list, and we have this emergency situation. Would you please teach me? And he says, his testimony, that it was as though it was as though someone else took his fingers and he started playing the piano. And by the next morning, worship went to start. Our pastor walks down, sits down at the piano and leads for 5,000 people from the piano worship. And he never stopped leading it from that point forward. He led worship from that point forward from the piano. And he says, God taught him how to do it in an afternoon. The Holy Spirit showed him exactly how to do it. Frank, can I tell you something? He will teach you. Instead of being frustrated at work and that what you don't know and you don't grasp and you feel like they're putting all this pressure, say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you show me what I cannot see? Instead of being uh, insecure about failing exams, those of you that are in school, just simply say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me. Show me. Help me to understand. This is his job. This is who he is. And this is what he's all about. Let me give you the next piece. And there are many other pieces about him, but let me give you these, these five. And the last one that I would say to you is that he is the promised gift. Would you say that with me? Promised gift. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, if you'll turn there quickly, or you can see it on the screens. Jesus is there with his disciples in a particular setting. We're not exactly sure where it's at, but at this moment, what has happened is Jesus has been crucified. He has died. He has been in the grave for three days, and he is resurrected. He has not yet ascended into heaven, and over a 40-day period, Jesus kept showing up walking through walls, appearing in locked rooms uh, to his disciples and those who followed him, uh, to the number of over 500 people. And in this particular moment, he shows up, and the insinuation is to the 12, or excuse me, the 11 disciples, because Judas has killed himself. And so in verse 4, we see Jesus give them a good, good uh, command, and he says this to them. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Will you say that with me? But wait for the gift. Say it out loud. The gift. What was it? It was a... Who's it from? My father. The, the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. And then he alludes to it right here. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to help you understand this whole gift and the promise. I love to teach about this. I had the privilege of teaching the book of Acts for a number of years and there at Christ for the Nations. And I always teach this understanding could help liberate us. So, so this gift, 
that the Father promised. What is that? Obviously, already you know, because you're sitting in this message, and you're not, you're not dummies. You know where I'm, where I'm going with this. It's the Holy Spirit. But you need to understand the significance of this statement at this moment in the history, 2,000 years ago. But prior to that, little Jewish boys and girls have been quoted a prophecy from the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2, in verse 28, there is a prophecy, and this is what it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On some of the people, on a few of the people, on the pastors, on the preachers, on the teachers, on the high-end spiritual people. No, on who? On all people people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions so you need to understand this prophecy happened hundreds of years before jesus is having this interaction with them in acts chapter one and you need to understand why this is significant because in in the old testament the role of the holy spirit was different than what we see now in our life and what was transpiring in the new testament the holy spirit all he would do was come down And he would rest on somebody. They would do something supernatural for a moment, for an event, for a time. And then he would lift back off and go back to heaven. So we see him come down. He would anoint them for something. And that was the word they used, anointed, to represent the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the ability to do something supernatural. Then he would lift back off of them. We see it with Saul. Saul, who is wicked and full of demons, starts prophesying because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he says, as he was in the circle with the prophets. We see it with Samson. Samson was an everyday dude. He wasn't, he wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, bigger than everybody else. He wasn't, you know, some giant of a man. He was just a normal dude. But the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand men who had bow and arrows and spears and shields he killed them friend that's supernatural that's unbelievable that's why because he was empowered with the holy spirit came upon him and empowered him to do something supernatural and then we'd see the holy spirit would lift back off of him and so when joel chapter 2 prophesies this prophecy it's a supernatural prophecy because he says i am going to pour out the holy spirit i'm not going to drip him down and let him come back up i'm going to pour him out On who? All people. You understand how significant that is to every little Jewish boy and girl. Their whole life, they've heard about Elijah and Elisha and the supernatural things. They heard about the prophet Jeremiah. They, They heard about Samson, what he did, and what Deborah did. They heard about all these great heroes, but they were special people. They weren't everyday folks. They were priests and kings. They were prophets and those anointed by God, specially set apart to represent uh, God to the people, kind of like his go-between. But no average person ever had this. No average person could heal the sick or raise the dead or cast out devils. That was for the special ones that the Holy Spirit would come upon. So when Joel prophesies, there'll be a day where the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit will come upon everyone who will receive him. And when Jesus says to his disciples in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Hey guys, <laughs> guess what? I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Now he's already resurrected, so they're already freaking out because he's having a meal with them. They're waiting to see, is that food going to go through the digestive system? Like, are they going to be able to see it? I mean, what kind of, what's, I mean, he's, he was dead. We know he's dead. We saw him die and now he's alive. And then he tells them this cool statement. He goes, hey, you know that Joel chapter 2 thing? See, they would know what, the moment he said, go re- wait for the gift, my father, they, they, every little Jewish boy and girl had been waiting. Could this be the day? Could it be in our era? Could it be while I'm alive? Will this thing happen when I'm on earth? And Jesus says, hey, go wait in Jerusalem for that promised gift. 
The Holy Spirit, the personal Holy Spirit is going to be given to you. And he's going to lead you. He's going to guide. You will be baptized with him. In other words, the word baptized baptized, um, in the Greek, it better translates out baptismo, which means a full immersion. We think of baptism some 2,000 years later as just going down in some water or something. No, they use this term to mean that you were completely and utterly consumed with. That's the way they use that term. They would use it in, in everyday life. We don't really use it, you know, I was baptized today at the car wash. You know, my car was baptized. We don't use it like that, but they would. And so when he says you will be baptized, fully consumed by the person of the Holy Spirit, they're like, nah, that's okay, I don't want it. That's not at all how they were. They're like, whoa, we got to get the Holy Ghost, come on, baby. And so they're sitting there waiting for it, whereas 2,000 years later, he's been so misrepresented that we're now like, eh, eh. I don't really, you know, I don't want that whole thing that I see some of those weird people do on TV. You know, I know it's going to push me down. <laughs> no, I don't really understand all that, and that's awkward to me, and I don't, mm-hmm, no, that's okay. And what's happened is we have now refused the very gift that God sent. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send you the very gift. My father's going to send the very... If, if the person, if the person, if your boss was going to another country and he says, I'm going to give you the very thing you need to run this business. I'm going to give you this, that no one else gets to have. I'm going to give you this thing that you're just going to blow your mind. Whether it's the checkbook, whether it's the authority, whatever it is. Jesus could have said, hey, listen, guys, I'm leaving. But I have made two years worth of recordings teaching you how to obey me. You just watch those and you'll be good. He didn't do that. He, he, didn't, he didn't marry a woman and have kids with them. And say, all you have to do is come to my sons and my daughters, because they're going to be me, and they'll have my same power, and you just get them to lay hands on you, and you'll be better every time you sin. No, no, just the opposite. He says, I'm going to send to you the third person in the Trinity. And what's going to happen is he's going to consume your life, and you'll learn to stay in step with him. And as you stay in step with him, everything that you saw me do, you will do. Do you understand? It is the will of Jesus that those who follow him, according to Mark chapter 17, he says, he says, in my name, those who follow me, in my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise, if they drink any deadly poison, won't hurt. they will have supernatural life on this planet. Why? Because of the person of the Holy Spirit. Because he is the power source that Jesus, the Father, sent to us so that you and I could be like Christ. If, if, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit and it wasn't for Jesus coming to the earth, if we were trying to be good, we could have just, if we were good enough and strong enough to be good, we could have lived by the Torah. We could have lived by the Ten Commandments. We wouldn't need Jesus to come. We wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to empower us. If we could have been good enough and strong enough not to sin, we would never need. That's the issue. You and I can't be good enough. I can't stop sinning in and of myself. But when I get in line with the Holy Spirit and we get in step, all of a sudden, I don't care about all that. It doesn't matter why I have this power because the person of the Holy Spirit is leading me and guiding me. Isn't that good? Say yes. So with that being said, let me give you a couple thoughts on what he is not. I may get a little passionate here, so forgive me if I do, but I've told you what he is and extracted some of the key pieces in scripture. Now let me just tell you a couple things that he is not. Number one, he is not an impersonal being. He's not some ethereal force of nature. He, He is a very 
personal being. He is the person of the Holy Spirit who knows you intimately. He knows what makes you sad, what makes you happy. He knows you intimately. And for you to leave him in the corner and not want to be in step with him or say, ah, it's no big deal. I don't, I don't really understand him. I don't really know him. And I know some things about you because brother so-and-so said this. And I just thought that was weird. And that's really who you are. I don't want you. I just want Jesus. Friend, let me explain something to you. He, that offends him. That grieves him. That, that breaks the plan that God the Father had for us. He sent us a gift. And he's very personal. He's not impersonal. He's not some ethereal piece. It's some wave or wind that's out there. You know, just some ethereal thing that's happened. The Holy Spirit. I get so weirded out by these people who are like that. You know, it's just, it's the Spirit of the Lord. He's here. It's like, where is he? And why are we whispering? You know, it's just weird. He's not impersonal. He's very personal and wants to be very personal with you. Here's the second thing that he is not. He is not a dictator. He's not a dictator. He will not force his will on you. I love that about God. God gave us free will. But in that free will, what he wants to do is he wants us to be close. So what he does, like I talked to you a couple weeks ago, he woos us to himself. He will not dictate to you. So, when, so you'll see in our church, we don't let anyone push on people and call it God. Well, the Spirit of the Lord told me to push on them because they weren't receiving. No, you did that and blamed it on the Holy Spirit. And that's the problem that we have 2,000 years later. Is that you've misrepresented him. I mean, he doesn't need help pushing you. He's God. He was there at creation. He was there when Moses crossed the Red Sea. He empowered Elijah to raise the dead. He he is the spirit that rose Christ from the dead. He don't need me to help him push people down so they can experience him. He is power. And he doesn't need, he's not going to dictate those things. He will not force his will on you. So some of you say, I would love a prayer language, but I just don't know. And people have tried to force you to have a beautiful prayer language. And that in and of itself is not him. That's why there's been such confusion. Because someone has tried to say, he is a dictator and I'm going to dictate for him. And that's not at all who he is. So he's been misrepresented. So as a result, what? We keep him at a distance. And we're not in step with him. And because we're not in step with him, we keep falling to our own sinful nature. That's why you're still insecure. That's why you're still rebellious. That's why you're still angry. That's why you don't have any joy in your life. Why? Because you're not in step. As we go for, for, further into the series, I'll teach you how to stay in step. But first, got to know that he wants us to be close. And the awkwardness has to stop. And we have to overcome our fear and our insecurities and draw close to him. And let him embrace us and start learning how to step it out with him. And Frank, can I tell you something? It's not going to be easy. You're going to be stumbling a little bit. But the comfort comes in knowing who he is and his love for you. Here's the third thing that he is not. And that is he is not one to shame you. Holy Spirit will not shame you. He's not going to embarrass you. I see these people. You know, this is one of the issues that I had. Is that I, um, I got saved, Church of Christ non-instrumental so everything you did here tonight was wicked by our standards it was wrong and we sang only acapella and we sang through from hymns and that's how i got saved and we were wicked and got radically saved in the church of christ and god blessed them they were so good to us taught us the word but they had a difficulty when it came to the holy spirit and the interaction with him and, and the church we were in not the denomination and they would skip over these teachings because they didn't know how to handle them because they saw misappropriation so they just stayed away from it they kind of threw the holy spirit off to the side at least how we how how we experienced it with them and so we had real difficulty um, because we saw such misappropriation of the holy spirit and so we we just wouldn't even interact about it we wouldn't even talk about it 
And then there came this moment in our life where um, my mom and my stepdad got in one of these good knockdown, drag out fights that Christians don't have. And my dad had met this guy uh, who was um, having this Bible study in, in the living room. And, uh, and, and so he said, I'm going to go see these guys. And he got there, and uh, they were all worshiping. And it was like a little home church environment. And uh, they told him, he said, Mike, do you know what your problem is? Your problem is not that you're not good enough. The problem is that you'll never be good enough. And that you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So you keep having these fits of rage, and you can't stop them. And my stepdad, who's my dad, I call him my dad, he said, I don't care what it is, I just want it because I don't want to live like this anymore. So they laid hands on him, and the power of the Holy Spirit overcame him because he submitted to him. And he even ended up with a beautiful prayer language in that moment. He came home, got my mom and I out of bed, got on his knees in the living room at midnight, after midnight, with tears coming down his cheeks. And he said to us, he said, let me tell you something. I am so sorry. They'd been married two years at that point. We'd been going to church together. And, uh, and I'd never heard that man say he was sorry. He was so prideful and so arrogant. And so insecure that he could, it could never be his fault. And my mom's looking at him and she and looks at me. And she goes, this is real. She said, what happened to you? And he starts explaining how they prayed for him and how the person of the Holy Spirit came over him and how he gave him this beautiful prayer language. And there was just like this, this something lifted and something transpired. He couldn't even articulate it. And so my mom said, we want to go wherever those people are at. So that Sunday, instead of going to our church, again, with our pews, with our steeple, with our songbooks in, 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 the, in the seat pocket in front of all the, in the back of each pew, now all of a sudden we showed up at these people's house. And their car's all out in the driveway, and we come walking up, and you could hear they were already playing music. Now, you know, we already think music is Satan. And so we come walking in, and we walk into this living room, and there are about 50 people crammed into a living room that will hold about 30. They've got a table on the side with all these chips and dips and red Kool-Aid. Remember that, because that's the stuff. And see, some of you are a little too young to know about Jamestown and people's church, but I remember, (laughs) okay? And And so we come in, and I'm like, this isn't church. They're playing music. And they've got a guy, he's, first we walk in, he's got a microphone. There's, thir- there's 50 people, why does he need a microphone? He's got these speakers set up, he's playing his guitar, and he's come up with some crazy worship stuff like, God is good all the time, God is good, and we love him so much. And they're singing, and everybody's like, yeah. And I guess they were all ex-dope smokers, I don't know, but they were loving it. And so we walked in, there's a guy playing bass, boom, 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 boom. And then the craziest part was they had an overhead projector and they were shooting the words up on a sheet that covered the fireplace and, and, and the mantle. And, and at the bottom of the fireplace on the hearth is this chick with long bleach blonde hair playing drums. But the projector is shining in her face from here up. And she's got one cross eye and this long blonde hair. And this is what we walk into. And she's, I don't know which way she's looking. And... And they're playing this crazy, come on, Jesus, 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 no, 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 Jesus. And I walk in, I say to my mom, I said, this is a cult. This is a cult. This is what they look like. Did you not watch CNN? This is what this is. And she's like, well, let's just wait a little bit and see what happens. I'm like, no, they got Kool-Aid on the side. When they pass the Kool-Aid out, I'm telling you, I'm running for the door. With or without dad and you, I don't care, I'm out. She's like, no, it's okay. And they finish their little worship set, you know. All of a sudden, the guy gets up there, and he's preaching. He's got a pulpit in a living room. You don't need a pulpit in a living room. And he's preaching. 
And he starts pro- talking about the fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, y'all, y'all need the fire. And it's not fire, F-I-R-E. It's fire, F-O-U-R. Fire of the Holy Ghost. And he starts talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I'm sitting there going, heck no. This is crazy. And then he gives a call. Who wants the Holy Ghost? Well, we're the only new people there. So he's looking at us. Who wants the Holy Ghost? You want to talk a misrepresentation of who the Holy Spirit is. And so, there, and so, so my mom, she looks at me like, let's raise our hand. I'm like, I am not, that's not going to happen. She goes forward, right up there for, close to the fireplace, and they start laying hands on her. And they're pushing on her. And they're calling out fire. Fire! Fuego del Espíritu Santo! Fire! And they're praying in these languages. La, 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 peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. And they're screaming real loud. And they're pushing on my mom. And I'm getting ticked. Because mom was a single mom. We were, we were, it was me and mom for the longest. And I'm like, I'm looking at my stepdad. And he's like, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm like, dude, this is mess. I'm, and I start walking up there. Because I'm going to just start. I'm only 13. But I'm going to just start hitting people. You know, my, my thought is if I hit them all, they've got their eyes closed. So it won't matter anyway. They won't see it coming. And so, I, and so right as I do, they kind of let go of it, and they let her, let her go back to her seat. And I was like, that's messed up. She goes, yeah. I was like, what happened? She goes, I don't know. I was like, did you do the little shibi, shibi, shibi thing that they're doing? She goes, no. I said, well, that's good, because that's messed up. Let's go. And I kept saying, let's go, let's go. And she's like, no, let's not go. And so we kept going back to this home church. And about the third or fourth week into it, they finally say, Adam, it's your turn. You need the Holy Ghost to come up here. My mom said, go ahead, go ahead. I'm like, no. But I go up there, and I said, okay. Give me a second. All right, let's go. <laughs> because I, they're not going to push me down. I'm going to tackle somebody. I'm telling you right now. And they start pushing, and they start screaming real loud in, our, in my ear. And, and one guy even whispers in my ear, hey, just say my syllables. Beep, 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 beep. I had enough sense to know that's wrong. Something about that ain't right. I didn't know the scriptures. I was a young man, but I knew that that was a mis- Representation. Come on, you with me? Say yes. Because of that misrepresentation and the, the goofiness of that moment, I'm telling you, it took me months before I could settle in to the fact that there is a person called the Holy Spirit who wants a relationship with me. It took me months. And I was laying on the living room floor, and I heard him speak to me and said, I have filled you. I do have a beautiful little prayer language for you. And it will happen in our time. And it was a matter, hours later, I just started speaking out this little prayer language, like this connection between me and him. It was magnificent. But let me tell you something. He never shamed me or embarrassed me. That's not who he is. And I know that some of you have seen that misrepresented. Some of you had experiences worse than what I had. And as a result, you, and I think those people were good people. I don't think they meant to do damage. I just think their ignorance created the problem. And as a result, they have they have misrepresented the Holy Spirit. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and the very gift of God, the third person of the Trinity, we keep him at arm's length. And the very power that we're supposed to walk in, we do not walk in. And as a result of that, the world is dying and going to hell. And God wants to bring the third person of the Trinity back into our lives so that you and I can stay in step. Let me give you a couple more points about who he is not, and we've got to move a little quicker because I've gotten a little long-winded here. I apologize. I'm just so excited. Number four, he is not vague. He is not vague. 
I, I get around these people who call themselves prophetic voices, like they speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit, and it, it trips me out. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is all over this place. And He's saying to you people that He's here. And He's saying that you have needs. And He wants to minister to those needs. And He's got something for everyone in here. Like, so what does He have? Who is He? What's He saying? Never in Scripture do you see the Holy Spirit acting vague. You never see it. Very specific. In fact, there's clarity in Scripture about condemnation, which is the power of Satan. Condemnation is this feeling or sense that you're not good. You don't know why. You don't know what you've done wrong. You're just not good. You're bad. You're bad. You're good. You're gross. God doesn't love you. You're bad. That's from Satan. It's called condemnation. And the Bible says it like this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is different. He definitely convicts us, but it's very specific. On Friday at 2 o'clock, you said this to this woman. It was a lie. You need to go back and tell her you're sorry. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He's very specific. So he's not vague. That whole vagueness is, is what you and I go, look, I don't know. I don't even want, I don't understand this because it's vague. That's not the Holy Spirit. He's very specific. He'll speak to you. He'll woo you in. He'll say to you, I love you. I love you since you were three years old and this happened to you. I loved you in that moment. And I love you now. He's very specific in his dealings with us. Have you ever had a friend that was vague? There's some problems going on. Well, what's the problem? There's just some things. Well, what's the things? Well, you just wouldn't understand. Because, I mean, if you don't understand. I mean, my wife did that to me when we first married. You know, I just got some problems. Like, what, what are you mad about? She goes, well, if you don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, tell me what it is. She goes, well, well it's just, just some things that you've done. What have I done? Well, just some things. Listen, stop being vague. I cannot repent over vagueness. Be specific. Well, you didn't take out the trash. Okay, I'm an idiot. No big deal. I'll take out the trash. Is that all there is? Well, there's some other things. What? You left your underwear on the floor of the bathroom, and I'm not your slave. I'll pick it up. It ain't that hard. We had to come to an understanding that vagueness is a working of the enemy. That the Spirit of the Lord's not like that. He's very specific. So you're wondering, does the Lord love me? Yes. I think he's mad at me. No, he's not. He would tell you and be very specific about it. And so you have this feeling that you're not good enough. That's from the enemy. Here's another piece. You ready? Number five, what he is not. He is not weird. Please somebody say amen right now. Please somebody help me. In fact, the Bible says it like this, that the Spirit of the Lord hovered there at creation over the chaos. It's the Holy Spirit who brought order to the chaos when the earth was formless or chaotic without void. He's the one who brought order to those things. The Holy Spirit is very orderly. You'll see orderliness in our services, in our gatherings, and the way we do ministry. As the Holy Spirit ministers, there's order to it. There's no one stealing the attention away from everything else so that they can have this experience. Then the Holy Spirit is somehow just doing that with them. If they do that, if the Spirit of the Lord moves upon someone and deliverance starts happening, we move them on out where they can have a private moment with the Lord. We do not let them steal the order of what the Holy Spirit set in place for the entire congregation. There's order there. And whenever you sense disorder, like this is so, this is messy. This is messy. That's not the spirit of the Lord. He is not weird like that. Let me tell you how he got misrepresented as being weird. Because weird people misrepresented him as weird. That's just people. And we're all weird a little bit, isn't that true? Here's the next one. We've got to keep moving real fast because I can get you out of here. Number six, and that is he is not your lap dog. He's not your lap dog. I'm so frustrated with some of these young ministers 
as they treat the Holy Spirit like he's their lapdog, like he's their showpiece. Come see my lapdog, Holy Spirit. Isn't he cute? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is God. He is to be respected. He is to be honored. He is to be treated with, with integrity. And you are to look at him as who he is, the third person in the Godhead. He's not your little buddy. He's not your little friend. He's not your little lapdog that you can have little kisses and have little intimacy. And you write your little songs about how he is this and that. And listen, let me tell you something. He's God. And the moment that that disrespect starts into your life is the moment you begin to push him away. This is who he's not. We talked to you tonight about who he is. We talked to you tonight about who he isn't. And I want to give you, and start closing out with this final thought. There are two works of the Holy Spirit as I see them in Scripture. Number one, write this down, regeneration. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and he started regenerating you. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, you didn't enjoy your sin anymore, did you? I mean, when you got saved, smoking weed was not fun anymore. You're like, dang, I, I want it, but I don't want to do it. Ah. And when you're doing it, you feel guilty about it, right? Isn't that what happened? When I got saved, I was, I, he started regenerating me. And every time I would cuss or I would look at porn or I would knock somebody out, I felt bad about it. I didn't feel bad before. Or if I stole something before, I didn't feel bad about it. You shouldn't have left it there, stupid. Now, all of a sudden, I've, got, I've gotten saved. The Spirit of the Lord's inside me, and he's convicting me. He's regenerating me. He's making me new, right? Old things passed away. Everything's becoming new. It's a process. And that's a beautiful work that he does. But that does, he doesn't stop there. The second work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to empower us. And we see all throughout Scripture. If the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. He will give you the same power. You will do the same. And it says it like this. And the same things that Christ did, greater things than these will you do. He's called us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. We'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit and the power that's supposed to surge through us and change the world. And a lot of times, especially my denominational friends, have gotten real nervous about the power part because if there's any place of misrepresentation, it's been in that. With all of our televangelists, with all of our weirdos out there, they've misrepresented that and they're still... There's still pride and egotism in the, inside of them. And they're using these power. It's, it's like giving a two-year-old a, a, a bazooka. You know, they're just destroying everything. But the reason why that's happening is because those of us that are more mature have put him at a distance. Those of us who can be trusted to represent him properly have been insecure about that. And we've kind of put him at a distance. And it's time for you and I to come back close with the Holy Spirit, to get back and step with him. That's the whole role, goal of this series is that you and I could get back in step. As, I'm, as I've been preparing for this, I'm like, I, I've had to repent. Holy Spirit, I'm out of step with you. I'm out of sync. It's like I'm stepping on your toes. I'm tripping. I want to get back in sync with you. And again, I had to remind myself who he was. And I realized that I've been trying to do some things on my own strength. I'm not even asked his wisdom. I've just been doing it. I've used earthly wisdom in some things that I really needed to ask him about to give me wisdom. So you and I, tonight, as we go to close, it's time that you and I get back in step with the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been so gracious to me. I've gone a little long. I apologize. It was so hard to package all this in a, in a neat, quick package. There's so much more to teach you on it. And I want you to grow in step with the Holy Spirit. I want you to do this with me. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you stand here with your head bowed and your eyes closed, again, remember, the Holy Spirit will never embarrass you. He's not after that. He is the third person in the Trinity. He's to come your guide to be your tutor to teach you he loves you and if you have misappropriated that relationship maybe out of ignorance or because you saw misrepresentation so you were scared 
was a little awkward for you, I want you to right where you stand, I want you to welcome the Holy Spirit back into your life in a way that He becomes your tutor, that He becomes your guide. I want you to right where you stand, just begin to talk to Him under your breath. This is a safe place. No one's looking at you, no one's judging you, but just take a moment and let's respond to this word. This is truth that I've spoken. I've not spoken on my own accord, but only what's in the word. I've done my best to explain it as I understand it. Father, we ask you right now to help us in relationship with the great Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come, draw close to us. Help us to draw close to you. Would you remove the awkwardness? Father, I pray right now for those in this room who've had negative experiences that people blamed it on the Holy Spirit. I pray right now, Lord God, that they would stop using that as an excuse to not draw close. I pray against the fear and the intrepidation that's caused them to to kind of put the Holy Spirit at at an arm's length. And I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to, to break through that, to love us in spite of us, to embrace us and we we know that you won't force your will on us and so we open our will up and say come would you just say that under your breath come back into my life in a fresh way would you begin to tell the holy spirit i want to i want to learn to i want to i want to learn to stay in step with you i want you to show me how show me where i've been missing it would you just do that right where you stand and just say help me help me help me i'm telling you the bible says if you ask you will receive if you seek you will find father i pray right now in jesus name that you would help us Help us embrace the Holy Spirit the way we're supposed to. Holy Spirit, guide me. Teach me. I submit myself to you to be my tutor, to be the lover of my soul, to be my comforter, my counselor, to counsel me in the midnight hours when I want to give up and I want to quit. Embrace you as who you are, the great gift from my Father, the great gift, the third person, the the one who, who stays beside me the one who's filled me, and the one who leads me. Now, if you'll keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment, as you're interacting with your, your best friend, the Holy Spirit, and you're starting to really reestablish that interaction. Maybe you're in this place today, and you say, Pastor, let me be honest with you, I'm not a Christian. I'm not sure if I died tonight, I would go to heaven. Hey, I got great news for you. God's not mad at you. It's a, it's a miracle, you're here. You've got to have some sort of love for the Lord or you wouldn't even come here tonight. You know where you were going. You knew you were going to a gathering of Christians, a celebration of His goodness. And so it's, it's awesome that you're here. You're seeking God. You want more. And maybe you're ashamed of the sin. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but things happened and I, we're separated. Me and Jesus, we're divorced. We don't really have a relationship anymore. Friend, i got good news to you, for you. He's calling you home. He'll meet you at the end of the driveway if you'll just, if you'll just head this direction. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you're away from God and you want to come home, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to call you forward and let everybody see you and, and parade you around as the great trophy. Just the opposite. I want to have this personal moment with you and Jesus. And I just want to connect you. He's my, he's my best friend. I just want to connect you. If we were at a party and I brought you over to Jesus and, and just introduced you, I would walk away and let you continue that relationship and build it. But I'd, I need to be able to introduce you back. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, if you're not a Christian, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Friend, this is your moment. You need to respond and acknowledge that and admit you need help and you need Jesus to come into your life. When no one looking around, if that's you, quickly just throw up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to come back to the Lord. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I need him to come into me and, and change everything about me. Quickly, about three more seconds left. Is there anyone in the room? Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I want to be right with the Lord. In Jesus' name. Anyone? Anyone? none of you have lifted your hands. So what that means is in this place, 
we're all doing our best to serve the Lord. Or number two, we wish you, you wish that I would shut up so you can get out of here. And so in either one of those capacities, I want to pray for you as we close. And I want to ask the Lord to minister truth to each and every one of us. And that this week, you would hear the voice of the Lord. That the Holy Spirit would guide you in ways that you never let him do in the past. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to have free reign to coach us, to tutor us. So let's close on that note. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room. I pray right now that this week would be that week that something shifts. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to guide us. Show us your love. Show us your power this week, oh God. Lord, may we appropriate who you are and the nature of who you are, Holy Spirit, in a proper way. And Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to come upon every man and woman in this, in this congregation, those watching the live stream. I pray that even tonight that you would give them dreams, that you give them visions, that they would have open interactions uh, uh, with you, Holy Spirit. That they would, they would be so marked and say, listen, I, you're not going to believe this, Pastor Adam. Uh, next week they'll tell me things like, it was as though we were, I was one with the Holy Spirit. It was like, he would say go left and I would go left. And it was like amazing how things were just transpiring in my life this week. It was as though I was in perfect unison. I was in step. Lord, start that process now. I rebuke every bit of the discomfort. And I say, come Holy Spirit, have your way in our church. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving us. And we thank you for empowering us in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen and amen.